I'm Galen Doty, Deacon of the Week, and we're just so glad that you're here to uh, join us in worship of the Lord. And just a thought, but um, uh, is it more important to make money or to make a life? And is it more important, well, it's really important who you know and what you know. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about people. It's Jesus, that we know Jesus and we know his word. C.S. Lewis says, if you, if you know Jesus, you know it, you have it all. You have all of it if you have Jesus. So we want Jesus, and that's why we're here, to get more of Jesus through the, through the word. And the pastor's going to bring a message here soon. We'll be in Sunday school soon. So let's bow and, and pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us and for, Father, our need for you in our lives and that we know you more and we know you better. Father, help us to live a life that dictates you to others, uh, that not ourselves, but that we are examples of, of your life. Father, I just pray that you'd be with uh, the church, be with each of us as we um, come to seek you today and to worship you. I pray that you'd be with the, the pastor search committee as we are looking for a pastor. I pray, Father, that you would also be with uh, just the needs of the church. Many people are have health needs and, and concerns, we just lift them up to you. Thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. Forgive us when we fail you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated for just a moment. We're gonna stand in a minute, but wanted to give you all just a little uh, mission report from this last week. We had a group of 15 that went to St. Louis for uh, three or four days to work with an organization called Urban Reach. And basically what we did in the mornings, we um, did a Bible club with kids in the inner city. And there's a tie-in to what we're just getting ready to do. You see the decorations up here um, for Bible school. One of the things that I had just a little light bulb that went on um, after we got back, part of the conversation with the um, lady uh, Tina Squires, who's the leader of the organization. Um, there was a group ahead of us from Mississippi that came. There was a group the same week we were there um, from Wisconsin. We were commenting about the fact that these groups were coming in from long distance to help. And she said, well, you know, it's really hard for us to get any groups from St. Louis to come and help. And the immediate response from one of our team members was, I can't believe that you're having a hard time getting people from St. Louis. And I got to thinking about our own community and how we have mission opportunities all around us that we just sort of kind of look past. And one of the things that happened in our our trip in St. Louis is we went into the projects, knocked on doors to tell kids to come to invite them to Bible club. So when we got back, I was kind of convicted by the fact that I had not invited any of my neighborhood kids to come to Bible school. It was exactly what we saw happen in St. Louis. There were groups that were coming in from out of town that were more enthusiastic about inviting people. So, 
little challenge, a little bit of guilt for all of us in the room, myself included. Bible school starts tonight at 6 o'clock. There are, I think there's some flyers still out in the worship, in the welcome center. Um, if you have a neighbor that has children, uh, this is our, this is a really easy mission opportunity to get uh, kids um, introduced to Jesus and introduced to the love of Christ. So there's our challenge. Let's all stand again, and we're going to read uh, our gospel reading from Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Amen. You may be seated.
in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man can
stand together, read aloud our psalm. This is Psalm 52. And when uh, I saw that this was our psalm this morning, it took me a while to get uh, to where I was comfortable with it. The psalmist starts out speaking of evil, the evil in our world, and it switches partway through to where uh, he s celebrates the, the uh, faithfulness um, and he relates himself to an olive tree in the garden, trusting 
in God. Let's read together. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you up from tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Psalm 52. Whatever the test. 
seated. Well, I, I, I want to start with a thank you um, for a long-term relationship. Uh, um, Ed and Helen Hatfield are celebrating 66 years of marriage. And so thank you guys for role modeling a good, strong marriage, a good marriage for us. Uh, we're grateful. We're grateful to you and for you, and also just want to acknowledge and and challenge you. Just a moment. You saw uh, this week in our worship program, um, Sandy's Stone King's story. So many of you I noticed have already read it. So the question is. Whose story will be in next week's program? Okay. So all you have to do is write your story, get it to Sandy at the church office. She'll prep it and have it in as a part of our worship time next week as we seek to share our stories with each other of how we have come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, so in a few weeks, we'll come back to these stories and there'll be some why you need to tell these stories and some how to help you use what you've prepared uh, in gospel conversations going forward. So uh, just keep telling the stories. Share your stories with us. Whose story will be in next week's program? Let the Spirit guide you. Jared, what a delight to have you home. You know, normally when uh, you return to the field it's a while before we get to see you, but we're Lucky here. You, I'm here. Lucky us. He, we, he is here. I think my chair just went lower than what I needed to go. <laughs> I have my chin on the table. Let's see if I can, can get it to come up. 
Now, that may be better. Um, and a lot of times when Jared is home, uh, we have him and Michelle both with us, um, and they talk about um, the work that they're doing. But this morning, I, I wanted to take just a little different approach. Um, and I just want to have a conversation with Jared about um, how, how we support him and his family. Um, what got me thinking about this was a conversation I had on the telephone with a person a few weeks ago um, who called to ask for some missionary support. You know, he's trying to fundraise some support for his, for his work, and actually the, the missionary himself was not called, a representative called on his behalf. And so the question to me was, do you support missionaries? And I said, yes. Well, would you consider, would you consider supporting this missionary? And I said, well, you know, we'd have to take a look at that. I'm not sure that doesn't really fit kind of how we do things. And, and, um, uh, and so he, he said, well, you, so you don't support missionaries. Well, we do support missionaries, and I went through the process of explaining to him how we support missionaries. Um, but, um, and at the end of it, after all of my brilliant explanation of how we support missionaries, he says, so your church doesn't support missionaries. <laughs> Was obviously not a Southern Baptist. So, Jared, just talk with us a little bit about um, how, how do we support your family, just at a personal level to start off with, and then we'll get into the, the financial side of it in a minute. Okay, right. sure. Um, so how do you support missionaries? I think, uh, well, let me ask this question. If I can ask for a show of hands, how many of you know me from before the time I was 20? Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. So if your hand went up, you supported missionaries, and you're still supporting missionaries. Yeah. Uh, as you pray for us, as you give to the cooperative program, as you train and equip the next generation uh, church members in this church, you're supporting missionaries. So uh, I would even go back all the time, all the way to the time when I was in uh, Mission Friends with Ruthie Lawler, and from the time, I think I must have been three. I was probably there before I was supposed to because my mother dragged me there. But uh, singing This Little Light of Mine, talking to real live missionaries that you guys helped bring into the church uh, back in the day through some of those mission opportunities such as uh, the Haney's or Lee and Deb Miller, or those people from yesteryear, those were inspirational to Michelle and I as well. Mm -hmm. So that started my personal missions journey, I think, way back there. And as you raise your hand, you're helping to support those things. In fact, I think Tom Dean said he wouldn't be in here this morning because he's with the two-year-olds. What he's doing in the nursery with two-year-olds is a way of supporting the next generation missionaries. Yeah. But even if I was to zoom out just a little bit, uh, I think we've lost a lot of our history as Southern Baptists. So let me, let me take like two minutes and try to encapsulate where the Southern Baptist Convention came from, if that's okay. okay. Sure. Uh, so in the late 1700s, the first Baptist churches in the U.S. were formed. They were formed in North Carolina 
And basically, one church started launching missionaries to the western frontier, into uh, Kentucky and Tennessee and those places. And by the year 1845, 300 churches came together and launched what we would today call the Southern Baptist Convention. Those 300 churches banded together as independent churches saying, we can do more for the cause of Christ around the world. We can do more for missions together than any one church can do alone. And fast forward, from that point forward, that launched the Baptist mission effort. Uh, that led, for the next 75 years or so, every institution, every missionary, began to travel from church to church, raising funds, similar to your story that uh, started off this whole time this morning. And you can imagine, for 75 years, when the Southern Seminary rep came through, he would be asked to, to preach and ask for money followed by North American Mission Board. They would ask for money the next week, followed by uh, Guidestone, followed by Missouri Baptist Home, followed by the IMB, followed by Jared Michelle, followed by every other mission. Before long, all the churches were inundated with request after request after request every week. So in 1919, they said, why don't we actually uh, organize this together? And they launched what was called a $75 million campaign. Yeah. And in five years, 1919, right after World War I, they raised $75 million, again, for the cause of missions around the world, both local as well as international. Uh, that led to 1924 launching what we call the Cooperative Program, which today, 47,000 Southern Baptist churches all take their money week by week, pool it together, and then support more than 9,000 missionaries overseas and in the U.S. Uh, with that fund. So uh, we'll talk more about that this morning, I'm sure. But uh, as you give, as you pray, as you equip the next generation, you're supporting missionaries. And uh, we'd just like to say thank you for all of that that you're doing for us. Yeah, thanks. So this... I had this, <laughs> I had this sinking feeling. <laughs> While Jared's talking, Some, th this chair just kind of go, keeps going down. Um, the, um, you know, so Jared has set up my next story. From time to time, I go visit pastors from other denominations. And, and when I go into their buildings, if it's a large church, I'll see half a dozen, sometimes a dozen or so pictures on the wall of missionaries they support. But if I go visit a pastor in a small church, there's the blank wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the whole concept of our being able to do more collectively than any one church can do individually is a, a, a brilliant idea. We call it the cooperative program. So some of you, how many of you before before this conversation had any idea what the cooperative program was. So several of you, but there's lots of hands that did not go up. So that means this is an important conversation for us so that you know how we support missionaries and it's through prayer and through our, our uh, financial giving. Um, you know, we, we have this, we have a vision as individuals and as Baptists and our, for our church, you know, of reaching the world for Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and 
great visions like reaching the world for Jesus require a great plan. Mm -hmm. And in 1925, Southern Baptist said, here's a plan, let's see if it'll work. Mm -hmm. So now here we are all these years later and um, I think it works. I think so. I think it works. Yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about um, how, how this works to support this global mission effort. Sure. Um, so on the mission field, there's a variety of things that uh, cooperative programs go to support. So it's the simple things that it takes to keep a family in a place. So uh, for example, rent or gas money to go into our car or uh, those types of things. Those are fairly common. We can put a nice box around them but then there are inherent risks that go with that as well, such as uh, things like visas. So I have to have a visa for living in Nepal and they don't give one to be a missionary. So instead we have to start a business. So technically we own a business in Nepal. Well, where do the funds come to launch that business that provides a, a way for us to stay there? That comes from the cooperative program. Uh, funds for things like if a major disaster happens and we've got to pull our families out very quickly. So for example, a few years ago when Osama bin Laden uh, was murdered in Pakistan, murdered, when he was, uh, when that whole situation happened <laughs> on the other side of the world, we'll just put it like that, we knew inside of about 15 minutes of that going down and our missionary units living in Muslim areas, we got them moving towards the airport. That type of support system requires a lot of funds and a lot of foresight into a world that frankly doesn't like what we do in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So as churches come together, those 47,000 churches, as you give, let's say $100 into the offering plate today on your way out of the, the church, when you give $100 there, uh, a, a percentage of that, I think Randy told me it's 7%, stays here, uh, sorry, goes to the cooperative program. That 7% from this church goes to Missouri Baptist. Missouri Baptist keep about 60% and forward on 40% more. From that, 50% of the 40% that started as $100, you'll follow these numbers in a second. Uh, all that ends up overseas uh, supporting families like ours and the 3,500 uh, missionaries that are scattered around the world. So in other words, $100 in the offering plate here leads to $2.80 overseas being used for things like rent or gas money or uh, some of these emergency situations along the way. It, it's all those churches, all those uh, 14 million Southern Baptists pooling their money together so that we can actually support the cause of Christ in hard to reach peoples and places around the world, including what the IMB does in South right. Asia. Yeah. Right. So when you, when you use your offering envelope, some of you use the envelope, some of you don't. It's just a good illustration this morning. Um, when you just put your money in under budget, that's the 7% that Jared's talking about. But in addition to the 7% uh, goes the cooperative program, a, a piece of that also goes to support the mission work in West Central Baptist Association, which is Henry, Johnson and Lafayette counties, and um, two and a half uh, percent 
goes uh, into um, what we call direct missions. So direct missions then puts more dollars on the field. So Lottie Moon, you've heard of her. We do the prayer times in, in December and Annie Armstrong and Reuben South. And so we, we, we funnel those dollars directly to them. So Jared and Michelle get, have access to the Lottie Moon dollars. Sure. So what is, what, so we just went from $100 in the plate to $2 and some odd cents in, the, in Nepal. Um, talk a little bit about the value of Lottie Moon for those sure. dollars go direct to you. Yeah. Not to you, but to international missions. Yeah, to international missions for sure. So I didn't mention that. There's two primary pools of funding that come for the IMB for mission work overseas. Cooperative program, it's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. All those numbers I threw out a second ago, that's where the $2.80 comes from. That's roughly about a third of the IMB's budget every year. Mm -hmm. uh, the two-thirds comes through a Christmas offering called Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, of which First Baptist Church Clinton supports as well. 100% of those dollars end up on the field overseas. So that doesn't go to our Richmond office, it doesn't go to overhead, it doesn't go to uh, fancy mugs that we may or may not <laughs> actually print. So this one is actually North American Mission Board, but uh, uh, Lottie Moon, 100% of those dollars end up overseas supporting uh, things like I was mentioning before, rent and utilities and all of that of what it takes to keep families on the field. Uh, two thirds of our budget comes from that. Um, the reason we emphasize that is because what traditionally has held Baptists together is the cause of Christ, is missions. Mm -hmm. So all these other things we often fight about of, you know, should we, should we have this type of light or that type of light, this color carpet, that color carpet. The thing that always unites us though throughout history has been missions. We need to get the gospel from here to there. Wherever here and there are, we debate that. But missions is always that unifying theme. So uh, for the IMB, for the international work, that unifying offering that we take every year is called Lottie Moon. For North American missions, it's called uh, Annie Armstrong. For Missouri Baptist, we call it Reuben L. South. Those offerings are the chance for us to remind each other, oh yeah, 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 this is what actually unites us. Not all the things we discuss at the SBC meeting or the Missouri Baptist meeting and all those, the discussions at business meetings here and there. So uh, that supports us as well. So another layer of this is what we call Acts 1-8. And that's, Acts 1-8 is just First Baptist Church Clinton. Uh, other churches may do something similar, but, but uh, they call it something else. So Acts 1-8, like we do it, is unique to us. And a piece of what we do with Acts 1-8 is our ends of the earth, for example. Um, last, um, so when we do ends of the earth, then sometimes we help Jared uh, and Michelle with a specific project yeah. that they're working on in Nepal. And so we have a means where we can take, where we can take those dollars and 100% of those dollars go directly to them for the project 
Yep. It's not for the not not for the gas for their cars or food for their tables, but to enhance their ministry and to do the project that they need to do. So um, I kind of think maybe our church does support missionary. I think so. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, when I you know when you get to thinking about it, but. Um, um, and those so, projects, Randy, they go yeah. for things like Bibles, yes. and they go for things like uh, a lot of what we do is church planting training, helping uh, local believers see the need and join the worldwide effort for the cause of Christ, and right. those types of things. Special projects are uh, how we are able to do those types of advancement type work. And sometimes you need some help. Absolutely. And people from our church have come mm -hmm. and help, and which reminds me, I need to get my visa renewed. My, my 10-year visa is um, about to expire. I don't know if they'll give me another 10-year visa. Maybe not, but we can help you with something else. But we'll get, but, <laughs> but something else. So, so um, um, I, I guess that really, when, you, when it comes down to this, um, why? Why invest your life? Why invest all of these dollars? Why do we do this? It's a great question. So um, there's a lot of different ways to unpack that. In fact, if you gave me five days, we probably wouldn't exhaust all the reasons why doing right. something like this. Um, but I would come back to scripture. What do we really believe in scripture? If we believe what we, what we sing about on Sunday mornings, if we believe what we, we say we do in Sunday school class and as Randy preaches, if we actually aspire to those types of things that Jesus is the only way for salvation, well, come back to a place like South Asia. We can make the same case everywhere around the world, but in South Asia, we've got 1.8 billion lost people, billion with a B. Every second and a half, somebody is dying without Jesus. We have over a thousand people groups that have zero believers, zero churches, and nobody trying to do anything about it. So we have a disconnect then. This is what we believe, but this is our field reality. So how do we make a difference in the field reality, realizing Revelation 7, 9, or whatever mission verse you want to throw in there, that's our future reality. Revelation 7, 9, John sees at the end of time, he says, there before the throne was a vast multitude from every nation, people, language, and tribe gathered before the throne, and they were all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Yeah. If that is our future reality, then our reality and our theology are eventually going to sync up. As Baptists, how do we join that? Just to put it bluntly, if I can tell one quick story. Please do. So in North India, uh, I remember being out, this was a couple of years ago, we were out sharing in a, in a village. And as I was sharing with this guy, we, we shared the gospel with him, and the guy jumps up after hearing the gospel, runs to the door, and starts putting his shoes on. And I'm looking at him like, what are you doing, brother? He's like, I need to meet this guy, Jesus. Where is he? Let's go see him. <laughs> and he's picturing like two villages over. We're going to walk five minutes and go meet this guy. Mm -hmm. And that just illustrates the disconnect in my mind of here's a guy that wants to know about Jesus. He's never heard before, but he's ready to run and go meet that guy right now. 
Well, that's what our theology says. How do we connect those two? And it comes back to things like supporting missionaries, comes back to praying for missions, comes back from going. Come and join folks like us. Go to St. Louis, join Urban Impact. Go wherever the Lord's calling you, even as we were challenged earlier by Kevin. Let's go to our neighbor and go share the gospel and invite them to Bible school with them. It's, it's that opportunity to take our theology and match it up with our field reality wherever we are. That's yeah. why we do this as Baptists. That's why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 17 years old. And our little country church had a world mission conference. So a world missions conference back in, you know, 17 years ago was a long time ago. <laughs> back in those olden days, uh, the association would have a number of missionaries who would come to the association. And a church would host one of them. And we would then, so they'd speak in our church one night and then another church the next night. and and. And they were just this rotation of missionaries through, through the church. And so I'm 17 years old. I have a car. So I volunteered to be the driver for Ruben Machado. Ruben was a Cuban refugee who'd come to the United States because the communist government overflow, overthrow in Cuba um, had become a threat to his life and his family's life. And here he um, got connected with what was then called the Home Mission Board, North American Mission Board now. And he was assigned to our church, and I was his driver. So every night I would hear his stories, and I would just go with him and I would drive him. And then we would have conversations in the drive. And I, I was a believer in Jesus at that, at that point. Um, but Reuben, in those conversations, laid foundation stones yeah. which, which would alter the course of my um, following Jesus. Now, you notice I just changed words on you. I was a believer in Jesus, but all those nights with Reuben, I learned... It's about following Jesus. That was Jesus' basic call is, what? Come follow, Come follow me. me. Follow me. So following Jesus, he, he, he helped to just lay those stones. And, and I didn't have this language then, um, but it was the, what he spoke into my life was the foundation for the, the way I say it now. Missions is not what we do, it's who we are. It's not a project, it's not a place, it's, a, it's the Spirit of God at work in us, calling every one of us as his mission. We are the mission project. And he's at work in us and through us to help other people get to know him and know him better. And you know, we say that we exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let me just remind you. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. That's our, that's our assignment, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age.
and then we've and and then we hear Jesus say to the disciples in his last his last words to them in the from the field mm -hmm. Matthew's words came later but Acts 1-8 words came from Jesus to them in the field when you But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will, you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. It's not what we do, it's who we are. You will be. You will be. Not really optional behavior, is it? It doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it to me either. What about you? It's time for some of us to be what his spirit has called us to be. As believers, followers of Jesus, maybe, maybe it's time for you to say, there's more to this than just showing up at church on Sunday morning. But perhaps today, you're here and you have not received the gift of life that comes from Jesus Christ. You've not opened your heart to him and believed his story of his life and his death and his resurrection. When I think of why we do this, it's because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. He, he loved you first. Would you love him now? We're going to stand and sing. And as we sing this, our song this morning, if you need to um, acknowledge Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I just invite you to come and share, we'll share with you here at the front some more of the how of that. Maybe as a, as a follower of Jesus, a member of this church, it's just not yet connected for you that you are. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And you need just to say, do some business with Jesus this morning. You can do that where you stand. You can come kneel here. And um, perhaps you're looking for a church home. We'd welcome members this time. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and join with us in the mission. And right now, we just want to speak Jesus, the name of Jesus, over every need in this room. Let's sing it together. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus To 
Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power 